Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts Podcast, brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In this episode, we talk about the benefits of establishing a taxonomy. This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Gretel Kinsey. And I'm Simon Bate. And we're going to be looking at taxonomy today and talk about some of the benefits that you might encounter if you establish a taxonomy within your organization. So I think the logical first place to start is just by defining what is a taxonomy. That's a, that's a, a great place to start. So a taxonomy is an organizing scheme that helps us make sense of stuff. So let me give a, a couple of examples there. One is if you go into the library and you try and find a book, usually you've used something like uh, the Dewey Decimal System or the Library of Congress System. That's an organizing scheme. Another organizing scheme that we've learned about in school is the way that plants and animals get placed into kingdom, genus, species, and so on. And so these are a couple of the most well-known taxonomies. So, and also if you've shopped on Amazon, you've encountered taxonomies there. Right. Uh, if you have you know, ever used any of the tools that they have to kind of help narrow down some of the products to what you want to buy, uh, that's definitely a great example. So kind of continual, continuing along that path, can you use multiple taxonomies simultaneously? Uh, yeah, you can. So let's look at the, exa- the Amazon example a bit more. So uh, assume that you're interested in buying a shirt. So there are a number of characteristics of shirts that can be used to categorize or limit your search results. So do you want a red shirt? Do you want a green shirt? Color is one of the taxonomies. What size do you want? Small, medium, large, and so on. That's another taxonomy. Do you want a long sleeve shirt? Short sleeve, sleeveless? What material do you want? Cotton, silk, rayon, casual or formal? All of these things, which we call facets in taxonomies, can be used to narrow down the options so you can find just the shirt that you want. If you've ever used a used car finder, there's exactly that same kind of filtering is done there. And that was made popular quite a number of years ago. So all this sort of, uh, this kind of filtering is possible through the use of taxonomies. So they have a real world benefit for people looking to find something. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know that's something I think all of us have used in our day-to-day lives at some point, um, you know, not just kind of in maybe our careers in terms of content, but sort of going more in, in that direction. Um, how else might you use taxonomy? What else are taxonomies good for? Well, one of them is for standardizing data. So, if you, if you think about looking for a shirt and you're looking for a medium, there's a whole number of different ways actually that a vendor might describe something as being medium. It might, they might just use a capital M, they might use medium with a capital M, they might use medium all lowercase, medium all uppercase, they may use a size range, so you know size 34 to 36 or something like that. And, and so if you're getting this data, such as shirt size, from multiple vendors, and each vendor has a different standard for storing the data, and you blindly pass that along, your users are going to have a, a ridiculous set of choices to have to find, to, to go through to find a medium shirt. So again, that's not very user-friendly. So by correlating all of those into a single definition of medium, your taxonomy ensures, regardless of how you receive the data, it fits into a single definition everywhere. So can taxonomies be reused? Yes, um, the same idea of sizing 
um, can also work for other things such as other than shirts so we could use it for coats pants gloves anything that has a size we can reuse that same taxonomy with those things that's really awesome. Uh, we've been looking at this example, you know, kind of started out with, with Amazon and went more specifically into maybe clothing that you might use uh, these taxonomies that are built in for that. Uh, but I want to shift gears and talk about some other ways that you can use taxonomies. So how might this be something that helps on a support site? Well, the concept of taxonomy is the same there. So in a support site, we want our users to be able to retrieve information so they can, they can perform their jobs. Taxonomies help with the users being able to locate the answers to their specific questions. So with the retail site, we talked about clothing site sizes. In a support site, you can use the same ideas of taxonomy to help readers narrow down product type, product name, version, and so on. So when you've got this kind of a taxonomy built in, how do you know that your facets are correct? That's a good question. Um, the taxonomies inherently reflect the person or group that created it. Diversity is key to ensuring that any biases are surfaced. So that is, you can't just create the taxonomy by yourself. You have to work and develop your taxonomy within a group of people. And as you could, the more diverse you can make that group, the more you can be assured that your taxonomy actually is as general as it can be, that it can that it reflects all perspectives rather than just simply your perspective. So confirmation bias, selection bias, and these they can they can limit your your perspective on the facets. So another problem that we have with taxonomies is they do enforce a sort of a, a top-down approach. So humans naturally want to group things and they break those groups down further. How do you know the thing at the top is really at the top? And how far do you how far down do you go in the subgroups? So one hint that Patrick Lamb offers in his book for us uh, is to forget our scientific traditions. Rather than trying to find the single perfect ideal spot for an object or piece of information and put it where it's most likely to be found, just don't agonize over the perfect. You just find yeah. the information. Absolutely. And and I think that that's one area where with some of the clients we've worked with, that's where getting into things like user testing and analytics and just really acquiring the information that they need about the real world cases of how users are going to, um, you know, make use of those facets and how they're going to search for information, what kinds of information they're trying to find and how they're going to go about it can really help them if they're coming up with a taxonomy and trying to figure out what those facets need to be. Uh, you know, if you just sort of come up with it from the perspective of how you think it makes sense from, you know, the way you've designed your products or, um, you know, the way your marketing team wants to kind of emphasize things in the way that they are um, putting out that messaging that may not actually serve what your users need. So it's important to try to get that information from them as much as you can and continue to use that to make your, your facets better. Absolutely. So how are taxonomies presented to the users? What are some different examples of ways that uh, they, they might come across to the user? Well, uh, there are several different ways that your taxonomy can be presented to the users. So one way might be lists. So you might just have a simple list of items. So for instance, a list of sizes or a list of product names, 
variety of things like that. Now, the simple list, that's sort of the, the basis for where we go off into taxonomies, because as soon as you get more than about 12 items or so, this gets really hard to use. If you've ever been on a site where you've presented with a, a drop-down list that's, uh, that goes off the screen, it starts to get really, really hard to find the thing that you want. So a couple of examples of, the, of these uh, simple lists might be um, a shopping list or a list of animals, say. So you could just have any, you know, a list of any animals, a lion, a cow, a dog, a cat, a rat, something like that. The next way of looking at your information is with trees or hierarchies. And so you divide your list into a set of related subgroups. For example, you, if you create a shopping list, you might want to divide your shopping list by food type. So you could have a, um, a section on your list for, uh, or a sublist for produce, uh, sublist for things you want to find in dairy, sublist you want to find in groceries, and so on. If you're looking at a list of animals, you might want to list them in a tree, um, say, according to their habitat. But of course, one problem here is that one person's idea of how to organize these things might be different than another person's perspective. The trees then lead us to what we call hierarchies. And a hierarchy is a tree with a very strict rule about the subdivisions. The tree is exhaustive, that is, it covers everything that there is, and it is unambiguous. So for everything that you have on the list, there's no way that it can actually exist under two different categories. So one great example of this is the standard Linnaean classification of animals, where we actually break things down into kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. Each one of those different divisions, and actually above kingdom now, they've added domain. So all of these divisions actually um, have very specific rules about what it is that separates one from another in each of the different subclassifications. Now, talking about these ways, we have um, the idea of facets, and we brought the idea of facets up before. And a facet is essentially, it's an, an attribute that may re uh, represent a piece of information. The facet itself can be a list, a tree, or a hierarchy. Now, another way that this could be presented is in a matrix or matrices. So in a matrix, actually, you can have two or three facets presented in a table. So let's take a, the simplest facets, which, of course, are lists. So in a matrix, you could have a table, which is two-dimensional. So in the rows, you could have one list represented. In the columns, you actually could have another facet presented. An example of a table is, uh, an example of a matrix is a table in a catalog um, that associates a specific product number with two or more characteristics, such as capacity and operating environment. If I'm looking in my catalog, I know I need to find a piece of equipment. I know, I know what the capacity of that piece of equipment needs to be, whether that be voltage, you know, maximum voltage that it can handle, uh, maximum pressure, all sorts of things, and then I also need to find that piece of equipment that works in a specific operating environment. Does it have to operate in sub-zero temperatures? Does it have to operate in normal temperatures? Does it have to work in tropical climate? Anything like that. So I can use that matrix of those two different characteristics and find the specific product that I need. And finally, a little looser than a matrix, there's a relationship map. 
and a relationship map is a way you show the proximity and relationships among the different entities in your taxonomy. A relationship map could be a physical map, so it could be actually a public transport system or the human body showing something like the lymphatic system, the nerve system. Those are relationship maps. Or it can be conceptual. So a conceptual relationship map is something like a mind map. So that's a, that's a long answer to a very, very short question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really common to see these kind of combinations of these different ways that taxonomies are presented to users, maybe even in the same, um, you know, interface or the same site or what have you, um, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier with the An Amazon example, you know, when you go to search a lot of times when you have kind of over on the left, all these different ways that you can sort the thousands of results that you get from a search, there are multiple kind of taxonomies and and ways of presenting those taxonomies at work because you can you know choose things from a list you know you can choose things from ranges of lists there are all sorts of different things you can do and so i think that you know again it gets back to what your customer base needs and how they tend to look for information about your products that you would then say okay which of these different ways are going to be most effective to present uh, you know, this taxonomy to our users, and it might be more than one. It might be a combination that you find works best. Yeah, and there's, there's an interesting thought here, actually, that we're talking here about all the very specific ways of taxonomies, but I think a lot of the people actually listening to this podcast are probably looking for specific solutions that usually will, will relate to a computer interface, such as a help system or trying to find a, a specific manual or something. And I have to say that while there are all these divisions, the lists, trees, hierarchies, and so on, really a lot of the time we're going to find ourselves for the most part really focusing on lists primarily and perhaps then trees and hierarchies but uh, really lists are the thing mostly because of the interface of the computer you're dealing uh, there's not a really effective way on a computer just with a sing standard HTML interface to be able to show somebody a tree structure and actually within the types of things we're talking about there's no real need for it either the tree structure really works very well with um, with animals and things. A hierarchy works very well with animals, but uh, um, we really are in, interested in lists. Right. And I think that's a good place to wrap up part one of this podcast. We will be back next time with part two. And thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links. Mm -hmm.